0: You're listening to the Sigron Show, episode number three hundred sixty-eight. In this episode, I talk to Anne Arvisu about the coronavirus and entrepreneurship in challenging times. Welcome to the Sigron Show. I'm your host Sigron, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. Today, I speak to Anne Arviso. she's a highly specialized research pharmacist and organizational strategist who has 23 years of experience in the biotech and pharmaceutical industry. Anne is the founder of one of the world's most respected medical communications firms and is a frequent keynote speaker and published author. Today, we speak about the coronavirus and entrepreneurship in challenging times. Before we dive in, I want to announce a number of resources I've put together because of the coronavirus and the recession. First off, I'm excited to share the foundation of the Self-Made Fund. Inspired by ConvertKit and their creative fund, I've decided to create our own fund, the Self-Made Fund. The fund starts with a $10,000 donation from our company, Sigrun GmbH, and a pledge to add 10% of all revenue in the next 90 days to the fund. We encourage those who can to contribute to the fund. Together we can support self-made entrepreneurs in need who cannot cover rent or food or medicine in these difficult times. Secondly, I'm doing daily Facebook Lives on my page called Turnaround Talks. 16 years ago, I was a successful turnaround CEO in Iceland. Now I'm applying my turnaround experience to help you deal with the coronavirus and the global recession. In daily Facebook lives on my Facebook page, I'll support you by sharing what I'm doing in my own business and what I think you should be doing right now. I go live at 6 p.m. Central European time every day for the next 30 days. The third resource I've made available to you is a guide I created some time ago. It's called 50 ways to make money online. Up until now, it was exclusively available as a fast action bonus for those who joined my SOMBA program, Sigrun's Online MBA, my 12-month business programs for women and men who want to take their business to six figures. And only if you joined in the first 24 hours of our open cart, you would get this bonus. But based on the unusual circumstances we're facing right now, I've decided to make available for everyone at no cost. Fourth resource is a list of over 30 online business tools. Whether you want to take your business online or you'd like to make your online business run smoother, I've created a massive list of online tools to help you work more efficiently and effectively. You'll find the list of 30 plus different online tools, everything from audio recording tools to website hosting, including a variety of smaller tools that help you be more productive in your online business. As a fifth resource, I'm announcing the Turnaround Summit. I'm running a free virtual summit on how to deal with the coronavirus and the recession in your life and business. I will draw on my experience as a Turnaround CEO and also invite expert guests some of who are world leaders in crisis management to support you. We're going to tackle mindset, messaging, cash flow, team management, leadership, and more. You're going to walk away from this event feeling hopeful, energized, and ready to take action. This is a free, no pitch event and open to everybody. Go to the show notes at sign.com forward slash 368, where you can find all the turnaround resources plus links to Anne Arvisto. I am thrilled to have Anne Arvisu on the show to talk about the coronavirus and entrepreneurship in those challenging times. Thank you for coming on the show, Anne. Thank you, Sigrun. Thank you so much for having me. So before we dive into the hot topic of the day, of the week, of the month, of probably the whole year, we'll probably remember 2020 as being the year of coronavirus. It will go into the history books for sure. Tell us a little bit about your background and what's your your background to be able to talk about this subject?
1: Yeah, thank you, Sigrun. For the past 23 years, I have been an expert in the pharmaceutical industry. I did six years of research and development in infectious disease with SmithKline Beecham, and the rest of my career has been uh, overseeing what we call medical affairs. So research and development medical affairs is that side of the biotech and pharmaceutical industry that you don't hear of. Everybody knows the sales and marketing. All too uh, often in the U.S., we even have products being On TV for people to see in commercials. And I know this is banned in other parts of the world, but the pharma industry has that bad reputation. We are the police force, if you will, of the pharmaceutical industry. We keep and gather the data in medical information and medical communications. We gather the data, we report the data, we extrapolate the data, we research it, and then we know what's out there in the publications. And we are the team that actually creates the information. We call them FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions, and SRDs, Standard Response Documents, that from healthcare professional to healthcare professional are training the doctors out there all around the world. So in my last remit as the global head of medical affairs, medical information, and multiple different departments that we have in these operational functions within medical affairs, we led these initiatives. So it's been putting on my medical information hat over the past three weeks to keep abreast of what's going on, how to recommend best to my industry, because we're the ones training physicians out there, healthcare professionals, workers, and those on the front line, pharmacists, nurses, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And these are for sure challenging times for everyone in inside healthcare. I would rather have people in healthcare than an army, (laughs) to be
1: honest. Yeah, I know. I feel like they're the heroes right now.
0: They are. They are. So what is the coronavirus? Just to make it in
1: simple layman terms for us that don't know anything about it. Okay. So corona, if you know what, not just the beer, but uh, you know what it means in Spanish is crown. So this virus is something that has a crown-like shape. It is not anything new. It's been out there for a while. This is a, a new strain of it, which is why it is the COV C small o capital V coronavirus 19 uh, because it was finally named in December of 2019. So that's why COVID 19 is the set of symptoms you would get. So these are the cases that are being reported right now, but coronavirus is a generic term. Mm. So
0: what are the symptoms that people should be looking out for?
1: The three top symptoms are right now fever high fever and persistent fever, respiratory distress, and maybe fever chills that go along with the, the fever. You know, There's a whole host, just like flu-like symptoms, people are exhausted. So malaise would be some of the top three. You don't have to worry just because maybe you have a sore throat or because you have a low, mild fever. We are still in flu season and many people haven't gotten flu shots they could have something else those are the really the top two if you start feeling that you have an uncontrolled fever and you're taking something like in europe maybe paracetamol or even ibuprofen or even what the data is showing right now is to do every other you know using different products every other 3 hours to control a severe fever if you're at the point where you have a severe severe fever and you cannot breathe That's the only time that I would say, okay, you probably have it and you should go to the emergency room if you feel like you need help in terms of respirator or oxygen, et cetera, something that you do not have at home.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, people should stay at home. And how long?
1: The coronavirus, this particular COVID-19, the symptoms could be incubating for about 14 days. So you might be walking around with it and not know it. And they could have something called viral shedding, which could last up to about 35 days to 40 days. So you really do want to self-isolate. For example, when we left the meeting, because I saw you just a couple weeks ago in Miami, and when we left that meeting, by the time I came home, I think I left the hotel around 4 p.m. By the time I got home at around 7, I was feeling a little bit, I would say, under the weather. And you know that feeling in your lymph nodes, in your neck, where you feel like, oh, I'm about to fight something off. I'll take some vitamin C, maybe emergency or whatever products are in your local region. And I'll be better tomorrow. Well, I hadn't felt better. And I knew that my father-in-law was coming over. So I'm being socially responsible. I'm, luckily, I have another house. So I'm in my Keys house in the Florida Keys. I'm in our you know, vacation home because he's coming to visit for a while. And he's also not been feeling well. So I don't want to put him at risk. At the same time, people should be considering like you and I, we both spoke and we we know that we have asthma. We're at higher risk. So people with an asthma or lung condition, a heart condition, whether it's heart disease or in my case, I have a ventricular arrhythmia, it's mild, it's benign, but I don't want to be in a case where, you know, hypertension, that's another risk factor. I don't want to be where it's going to raise my heart rate because I have this virus. So it is better to self-isolate during these times. Mm.
0: They've been talking about self-isolation versus social
1: distancing. What is really the difference here? Okay, social distancing is if you are choosing to be in your home with other people or you are around others out in public say you're going to the supermarket to <laughs> stockpile <laughs> for the for being home for 30 days as people in the U.S. are doing. Well, then you want to stay about a meter apart or about three to four to five pe- feet apart if you can, if you feel that you are sick at home. Uh, we haven't been hugging as much and we are social creatures. We love to hug each other. So last night, in the Florida Keys, I'm in uh, the city called Isla Mirada, which is a village of islands. And we have great friends here. They've been waiting for us to come back down so uh, that we could talk to them and go out to dinner. So we went to a place, had some stone crab claws, air kisses, air hugs. Usually, uh, my friend is from France, so you know, usually it's a kiss on one cheek, kiss on the other. And it's just air kisses, air hugs right now. So practicing social distancing. And Self-isolation is staying home. If you feel sick and you know that you might be a potential carrier, if you have any of the types of symptoms, which you can find on the World Health Organization's website, and I will supply you with all the links that I mentioned.
0: Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes.
1: Yes. Then you should take the time to say, I should probably be at home. But if you are sick and actually do get sick, isolation means staying in your own room, even if you're in a home full of other people so that you do not infect those people. So there's varying degrees of isolation.
0: Yeah. So if you actually are sick, you know, you have it, but you're not sick enough to go to hospital. You would also distance yourself for your from your family members. Mm-hmm. For their sake. Yeah. For their sake. Yeah. So up to 30 days, we can be carrying this around. we could be carrying it before it happens. And then we possibly get sick and hopefully we heal from it. So the whole period is 30
1: days. It could be a little bit more if you're incubating until you have the symptoms because they're saying you could incubate or carry the virus for a while before symptoms actually pop. And that could be up to 14 days. So once you're actually symptomatic, the viral shedding period, it takes a good two to three weeks to heal from this. For someone that is not immunocompromised and doesn't have any of the underlying diseases. And there could be viral shedding after that. So they're saying self-isolation up to 30 days, even up to 40 in some cases, depending on the severity of the symptoms that you've had.
0: Yeah. So healthcare systems around the world are breaking down because of this, and especially in those countries that did not react uh, fast enough? Can you kind of see what's happening right now in the world? Can you describe it to us?
1: Yes, this is uh, something that we really can't, as an entire healthcare community. Whether you're infectious disease specialist or not, everybody's trying to react and respond appropriately. There are a multitude of companies right now that are working on not just vaccines. Everybody's concerned about what vaccines are coming out, but. We know that we don't know the full total number of cases in any given country because we do know that there is a challenge in every country and there's also differences in what are the criteria for testing. So, for example, in the state of Florida, handfuls of people have been tested under CDC criteria. That that is our Centers for Disease Control. Yet the total number of COVID-19 cases is not known because in any given state, Ohio, for example, reported last week, it could be if you extrapolate data for 1% of a state, it could be up to 100,000 people minimum are walking around with this disease and not knowing it, or maybe having mild symptoms, or ba- maybe being in incubation periods. Why staying home and feeling like it's not the need to go out right now? I know people get stir crazy as soon as they think that they can't go somewhere. I know I do. I love to travel. And uh, even until this week, I was watching and monitoring a flight to San Diego because I had several meetings. Well, the meetings were canceled, but then I had a friend's son's bar mitzvah to go to. And I had another event. And I had four days of vacation at a wonderful, beautiful oceanfront suite. And it's amazing that uh, you know we have to really look at the science right now and say, better safe than sorry. So the total number of cases is not known in any given country at all. There's a great site called Our World in Data and I'll give you that link. And they are pulling from the WHO database right now and they are extrapolating the data and showing it in forms where scientists could go, but I I think anybody who's really interested could go as well. That's one of my favorite sources of just pure data right now so that we don't worry then you wonder, you wonder how long did it take for the number of the confirmed cases to double? So the growth rate is different in countries right now. So there's charts and graphs to show. So for example, in Iceland where you are, the growth rate is slowing. It does look like you have a higher number of cases for the small you know, geographical area that Iceland is. So I would compare that to the types of states we have. Right now in the state of Florida, the rate is doubling. You know the rate has slowed in China in terms of reporting, but the reporting is really I won't say it's the tip of the iceberg, but there is an unknown because of unreporting. I won't say it's the you know the whole bottom of the iceberg, but we have to understand exponential growth as well, so that is something else that what happens is cases start to grow, and then five hundred cases can grow to more than one million cases after only 11 doubling times. It's just like the stock market. We put in and we invest a little bit and $5,000 could eventually be, if you invested in Amazon years ago, could be a million. Now, as of last week, it could be back down to $5,000. So people are in fear of their finances, et cetera, and not just their health. But in this disease state, we do have to think that is not just a linear growth process that we're dealing with here, which is the difference between this type of flu and this type of virus than the normal flu.
0: Yeah. People are asking or actually telling this different stories online. I know there's a lot of fake experts as well out there and, oh, it's just the same as the flu. Don't worry. But there is a difference. What is the difference?
1: Number one, there is no vaccine. I guess that's the main difference. Number two, as scientists are looking for a cure, they're trying to find, they're using antivirals, antiretrovirals, plus trying to create with the blood of patients that we're trying to find if you've had COVID-19, are you willing to donate this blood? These are the people on the front lines, researchers, that are really using the product to create the vaccine. The problem with that is there have been some reports that the virus is already mutating in parts of South Korea. So it just makes the process a little bit slower and harder. Because I said, and I mentioned earlier, I was in uh, anti-vaccines, antivirals, anti-infectives, clinical research and development. I know that in normal terminology, and the US is probably one of the first to market in terms of safety and efficacy studies in terms of clinical research and development. And it's one of the top maybe five countries that usually gets something out to market fast the time to market and the time from beginning safety studies to creating a product is usually about 10 years. They've shrunk that to about a year because of the severity of the situation, and they're trying to get safety studies out by April. So when people are hearing, don't we have an antiviral or don't we have some kind of a treatment ready by this April? The safety studies will be maybe done by April. And if there are no complications, then they can go into, there's there's a pattern that after a safety study is done in a normal healthy individual, then they are increasing that to see if if those persons get infected. So this is a life and death situation and a fast going situation in terms of what's working against this virus in a lab. I prefer the latter types of research that are going on because it's not involving humans or blood. They're looking at the blood and how it's reacting, which is great. So so all of that intermittent from you know year two to year nine, it's being shortened to find something fast that can help humanity at this point.
0: Yeah. So when people say, okay, the difference between flu and coronavirus is mainly we don't have a vaccine. We don't have something where we can just kill it off or prevent people getting it. But in addition to that, what about the you know how it spreads?
1: Mm. It spreads in a similar way. It's just it's a little bit different size molecule. So because the size is so small, that's why it, it will go through or penetrate a regular mask, the, the regular type of mask that you'd see people wearing. The N95 mask, which is in very, very short supply and high demand, of course, around the world, They're saying even if you had that, it might not fully work. Some of those N95 masks are respirators in their one-time use. Some um, stockpiled in various governments around the world are expired because for example, the state of California had many masks, they found that they were expired. They would save those masks for the firefighters because of the fact that they have an ongoing problem and issue with fires. Those N95 masks, won't protect your eyes. So there's been a little bit of an issue that this is not going to be an eye transmission necessarily, but now people are saying, oh, it can go through your eyes. But what that really means is you might touch something, either a fomite, which would be maybe a desk or a countertop or a sink, and you might pick something up, touch your eyes. So even if you had a mask on and it goes through somewhere in your, in your face, that could actually infect you whether you have a mask on or not and how long will that mask last? So if you're wearing it properly, yes, the N95 mask does work, but I think that so many different governments are saying, don't worry about the mask right now. It's not about the mask and going out. It's more about bringing it home. So, you know, how also is it different? The the symptoms feel and, and are similar. The fever is higher as I mentioned. So a sustained fever of, 103 or 104, 104 degrees, that would be Fahrenheit. I'm sorry, I don't know the translation for Celsius right now, but a sustained fever that's very high and something that really gives you respiratory distress, especially if you have asthma or some other underlying condition.
0: Yeah. Is it true that this spreads three times more? Like, you know, uh, I read somewhere that flu is 1.3 spread and, and coronavirus between two and four. Is that correct?
1: It is correct. And it also has a varying rate of doubling. So it depends on if you are looking at the website that I'm telling you, our world in data. Uh, In the United Kingdom, it doubled every three days. In Singapore, it was doubling every 13 days. In Florida, right now, it's doubling every two days. In the US, right now, it's in a higher period of time where there's a doubling rate. And what that doubling rate means is when you extrapolate the data out long-term, what does that mean per country? And the rate is much faster than the regular flu right now. And it's just three weeks ago, Sigrin,
0: Yes, three weeks,
1: yeah. Three weeks ago, what a difference the data can make because we're we're dealing with something we don't fully know and we're watching it evolve scientifically and, and as humanity together and trying to stay as informed as possible, but as peaceful as possible and prepared in this times.
0: Yeah. I guess the challenge was that a lot of people dismissed it, you know, so it was able to spread for a long time before finally, whether it's, uh, you know, people in public office or, or the public itself are, are just taking it seriously too late in some cases.
1: I agree. It, it goes back to the exponential growth. In February, we were seeing what was going on in China. And people have that it's not near me mentality. As of February 16th, the rate of growth was starting to slow a little bit. And then the rate of cases in the world was only reported as 1,277 cases. As of February 17th, because of the exponential growth in China, that's when the real worry came in. There was a spike. And that number of cases from 1277 went to 19,572 overnight in reporting. And that was prior, for example, to our meeting. So in healthcare, in biotech, we saw that and we thought, whoa, what's going on here? We are dealing with something that's going to, history repeats itself. So if it's going to do that in that country, it's going to do that. It's not a respecter of persons and it's not a respecter of borders and people are traveling and people are social creatures. So we have to be really watchful. And so a couple of weeks ago, just telling family or friends or fellow entrepreneurs, hey, my industry stopped all travel, all international travel was banned. And people, oh, no, you don't have to worry about that. Even last night, just talking with our friends. Oh, it's just like the flu. And we have to try to gently say, okay, I understand. Maybe the news that you're watching, depending on your country, your region, your political thought process, whether you're more liberal or more conservative, you might be seeing and hearing different things. Some countries are more conservative than others in terms of wanting to contain hysteria and wanting to maintain peace. And that's part of their job to protect you and not let things get out of control, but also give the right data. I think people don't know where to go, And healthcare workers, as we said earlier, they're being inundated with questions from their patients and they have to defer back to the government. So last week I attend Cleveland Clinic, Florida. I just happened to have a good rapport with my doctor. I sent him a ping on on our text chat system that we have called MyChart. And he said, please refer to the CDC website. We're not going to test unless you meet this criteria at this time. So For example, Vice President Pence, it was just announced, he's not able to be tested because whether he's been around people or not, he had to meet this criteria. So leading by example in some ways, right? And also demonstrating that this is the case. So we have two different trajectories since the 100th confirmed case. And we can see the total number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 and the starting point for each country that had reached that amount. And then it did not happen all in the same day. But all of a sudden, it just went everywhere. Qatar, Israel, Australia, Belgium, Sweden, United States, France, Iran, Italy. And then the doubling rate has changed. So it does appear, we can't really say this yet, but it does appear, at least in my opinion, that there might be either varying strains or varying varying mutations or varying severity, depending on how governments have reacted and depending on how people have chosen to take care of their own situation and stay home and social distance and all that.
0: Yeah. The case is interesting in Iceland. Uh, You know, it's an island. Uh, So uh, the virus arrived a little bit later. Uh, But Icelanders love to travel. You know, when you come from an island, you (laughs) kind of want to escape. A lot of people go, for instance, uh, skiing in the winter. Our mountains are not that high in Iceland, so they go to Italy or Austria to ski. And we saw the first case come from northern Italy, uh, from someone who was skiing. And then the next plane, because they had direct flights from Verona, Italy, uh, was not even allowed to dock at the air terminal, and everyone was put into you know self-isolation, and then they would gradually test everyone who showed some symptoms. So this allowed, well, I they couldn't contain it completely, but I guess they got a bit of hold of it versus when you don't know where the case is coming from or you're not taking it seriously, um, it just allows to spread itself and nobody is kind of trying to contain it.
1: I agree. And I think what you're bringing up is an excellent point, Sigrun, because you're talking about what's going on in your locale, right? So today on, I opened up the, what I would recommend for people is look at what your country, your region, your area, your province, your, your state, your county is doing. So for example, in the state of Florida, the Florida Department of Health is also tracking what they're tracking in Iceland, and they can see, are these a travel-related case or not? Has the individual been isolated? And they're also showing the ages of the individual, which is another misnomer. Everybody's trying to poo-poo the situation to say, oh, this is only happening in the elderly or if people have traveled. And if I look at the list of new cases on a Florida health-based website, such as clickorlando.com or The um, Florida Department of Health, I'll see, oh, there's a 55 year old in this county that's tested positive. There's a 60 year old. There's a 19 year old. There's a 17 year old. There's a 28 year old. Oh, this 58 year old was a travel related case. The 25 year old was a travel related case. So we are seeing a broad array. We've seen in New York, someone in their 50s, like me. I'm in the 50 to 59 range. The largest amount of cases and in the third highest risk category and the third highest severity category in China was 50 to 59 years old. So it's not that just the elderly and it's not just anything. <laughs> in Florida, we have the spring breakers in Miami and Fort Lauderdale right now. So I don't really want to go near those cities right now. And those are my two main cities. And I'm very glad my, my flights are being canceled out of Miami airport right now. So that begs the next question, which is I see a lot of countries now, like Italy and now France, stopping general public places, even under 100, such as restaurants. I'm wondering when that's going to start to take place in the US. And I can only imagine that will be when it looks like the cases are more severe, since we do have an under testing situation. It's almost like people don't want to know until they see it with their own eyes, oh, it's no longer just 20, 30 cases. Well, now in Florida, it's 140 cases. It's similar to the numbers that you're seeing in Iceland. And it's happening to everyone. Yeah.
0: I think uh, the last, uh, you know, at the time of this recording, I think the cases are 180 in Iceland uh, as of yesterday. And they have seen uh, you know someone who traveled has infected a friend who did not travel and that person infected another friend so they call it what do you call it uh, a second and a third degree of infections and and they can no longer necessarily trace where some how someone got infected about 50% of the people got it because they were traveling but now 50% of the cases are from inside iceland where they cannot really tell where they got infected from. But we have a company called Decode. They do DNA research. The CEO is a great guy who always wants to help when it comes to health-related crisis. So they have started as of Friday, uh, basically last week as at the time of the recording, to test anyone who wants to be tested for free. They are testing 1,000 people a day And the reason he wanted to do it, he said, I'm not testing necessarily people who think they're sick because they should go to the emergency room. These are people just who want to check if they have it or not. They're not sick necessarily. And uh, his data so far shows that 1%
1: of the population has it. Wow. Yep. And that's exactly in alignment with the predictive modeling The highest end of that, depending on the country, is up to 3.9%. So it goes back to what I was, you know, the Ohio example I gave earlier. And to your point, really, Florida went from zero to 149 cases within two weeks, within 14 days. So we have a spread on our hands. And we have people that, whether they're presumptive positive or not, it is just time to either if you can get tested or not just to social distance and follow hygiene, hand, hand hand-washing hygiene guidelines, at least for us, the surgeon general and Florida department of health, it's that 22nd rule, right? Get some good soap and water. And if people are worried that they can't get hand sanitizer, that's fine. Wash your hands. It's just as effective.
0: Yeah. Well, even more effective, according to some, uh, reports I've been reading. You know, I I got used to these uh, nice hand sanitizers in the U.S. that have aloe vera or some gel in it. And then I saw all the hand sanitizers in Iceland and they actually are just alcohol, (laughs) you know, 70% alcohol. They're not so good for the hands. You have to put hand cream on afterwards uh, in in order not to ruin your hands. But yeah, that's the solution right now. What do you say to reports that say that they
1: believe that 80% of people will get it? There are predictive modeling, and that data, when it's extrapolated out, for example, for the US, says by this time next year, on the highest end of the spectrum, there could be 1.7 million deaths. When you look at the total population, it's still in alignment with the numbers. It's just a scary outcome. It seems scary. Yeah, it is It is. It's scary, I think, but people shouldn't react out of fear. People shouldn't really look to the future. And I think that's a great pivot point to say, it's time to say no to fear and say yes to faith and just not worry. I don't think the general public should really get so involved with the data. Obviously, the predictive modeling have to be done, but there has to be a very good balance. I'm not scared. I don't want to stay in fear. We've all heard the acronym "false evidence of appearing real." I've also heard the "fe," you know, looked at as fear is is that something in your brain? It's going to hijack your nervous system. When your nervous system is affected, it's going to affect your body. It could put your immune system down. So switching, as we talked about in Miami, from fear to faith, right? What I call God, what you call universe tap into what you believe. So for example, if I believe by faith that nothing's going to harm me, right, that no weapon formed against me will prosper, or whatever quotes that you think of, that you know from the core of your being, right? I think that you know a little bit about my training and what my acronym is for CORE. Right now, we are in a state of chaos. And The bad core, or my bad core four, if you will, to simplify things is chaos, overwhelm, resistance, and exhaustion. That's what everybody's going through right now. And my core four of my teaching to turn that around is being centered, open, resilient, and energized. If we can stay there and choose to walk in a place of power and peace and learn to pivot and learn to make a new normal quickly, we're all going to be better off, especially as entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah. Many of us gone through recessions and it's as this uh, initial denial, oh, this is not happening. Let's just do a restart of 2020 or let me wake up from this dream. And then at some point there is acceptance and then you can start to work on it. And there's some people that go faster through it and others slower. So I think many are still in some sort of a shock that this is happening. And I think you and I have gone through it like, I'm already accepting the situation. Now I'm just thinking, what can I do about it? And that's why I'm interviewing you. I want my audience to know the facts, not in order to scare them or create more fear. But I do think when you know what's happening and then, okay, this is what's happening. I can only control what I control and I can accept what I cannot control. And how can we move forward and still, you know, this is the perfect time to learn something new, to read the book that you wanted to read, build your online business if you haven't built it, you know, it's, it's a time. But the reason we're speaking here is that I want to make sure that I bring on still the facts of the matter and what people should realize that take this seriously, but don't make your life
1: consumed just around this. Exactly, Sigrun. I think it's a perfect time to be an entrepreneur. I have bounced back like you probably have at different times in your entrepreneurial career. I have bounced back. I started my first business in 2002. And it, by 2005, you know, I was not just working, creating something. I had online programs out there. I I remember back then when we didn't have so much technology like we have now, going in actually putting together a booklet Uh, Some kind of a binder and going in and doing this is my presentation binder and going into a major corporation when I left the industry and saying Okay Now I have a service-based industry rxcr communications and I'm going to go in and, and pitch this product So it was person to person very bricks and mortar that has changed. So so radically we're able to pitch and create proposals and do webinars and do so many things that can get us clients. And that's how I've run my business the past several years. So switching now with CoreCentrics Inc. into a web-based program, I had to make a a switch like you. I had to postpone a conference that I was going to do, a conference slash retreat. And instead, I'm switching it up, and I'm launching my coach training program again this year and rebranding it quickly. So I have the teams just saying, okay, stop where we are. Let's take a pivot and let's create a new date and let's get people out there. Because I think people now want to be more in community than ever. As we self-isolate, it doesn't mean we have to be isolated. You and I are connected today and we're having a nice conversation, but also a heart conversation and one that hopefully will uplift your listeners.
0: Yeah. Even though we're talking about, you know, something serious and, and and uh, you know, not a nice thing that's happening right now in the world. It's about how can you start to think positively about it? What can you do to pivot? Uh, You know, I was uh, not bed bound, but I was sick for seven months uh, about 10 years ago. And I was basically lying on my sofa for seven months. I couldn't sit at my computer. And I wouldn't meet other people because I was feeling a bit down. You know, I'm a very positive person. (laughs) I'm an eternal optimist, but... Somehow, people didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't. And when you don't know that, you avoid contact. So I learned so much. I basically signed up for lynda.com. That's like a website that teaches you about Lightroom and Photoshop and all these wonderful tools that you can use for your pictures. And I just decided to use this time productively.
1: Yeah. There's different things we go through, whether it was the 2008 market crash, uh, I went through a as an entrepreneur, you you are the front line and you are the creator of your income because that's the difference between an entrepreneurial executive who has to be creative within a company, but a budget is at least given to them. We create that and we have to work at that. So times like that with your illness or when I've gone through a partial hysterectomy and infertility, I've had we've had to make those choices of what are we going to do with our time, whether you're bed bound or... You just have to do things differently in your business. This is a time to be creative and to be positive and to be kind. One of the 10 pieces of the framework that I have is service. I believe it's a time we can step up in service towards each other, towards humanity, being kinder to our family members, being kinder to uh, those around us in our community to serve. I believe giving, you become a river, not a reservoir the more you give, the more is received into your life. That's just one of my core beliefs. So generosity and kindness. If your neighbor, (laughs) I I say this in almost jest, but in reality too, if my neighbor said, can I have a roll of toilet paper? (laughs) I give it to them because I know that it's really not going to be this Armageddon that people are stockpiling for. And if it is, somehow something will come back to me because I've chosen to give and be a cheerful giver from my heart. And I think we have this time to say, what is the highest good that we can bring out of this in South Florida? We're, we're used to hurricanes. I feel in some ways like this is a hurricane and the four or five days, it's not like a tornado, which can come upon you so quickly. A hurricane takes four or five or six days to build and it may, with its spaghetti models and all these models that it predicts where it's going to hit, we might have to put our shutters on and get gasoline and put our generators ready and all this stuff and get water, et cetera. Because in the past, Hurricane Wilma, I did lose power for about 14 days and we did have to take cold showers, but our neighbors got together and said, okay, well we're losing power, which means we're losing everything that's the content of our freezer. So Let's get our grills going and whoever has propane, let's cook and let's share. And that spirit, the best of people can come out in a situation like this. It doesn't have to be the worst. So that's something that I would encourage people to do.
0: You're talking about your new coaching program. So coming from the medical affairs, how did you make this pivot? Or how how is this happening? Why is it happening?
1: It happens so naturally because in my industry, My husband and I were just talking last night with our friends. We said the first maybe five years of being in the pharmaceutical industry years ago, we were joking at how many times we would drive ourselves to the ER with chest pain because of the stress of our career. People don't understand that corporate executives are on the top 10 list of most stressed out individuals. Healthcare professionals are in that list. I'm both and I own a company, right? And the stock market is crashing. Stress is very, very high right now. So it is actually naturally organic that I developed a a methodology that I use on my clients in the pharma and biotech industry, and I call that the core centrics method. So whether that becomes the new company or not, right now, it's just our methodology that shows you how to build your business, but also balance your life. Because some of the women, when I'm talking to a vice president, and they're one of my RXER clients, it comes down to... Not the project that they need to create or not the staff they need to build. It comes down to them feeling exhausted. It it comes down to them being worn out or no longer at their core being resonant with what they're doing. So as they walk into their job on Monday or as that entrepreneur is grinding their wheels because maybe they're working on the wrong thing, people come to me and say, you know what? when it's person to person, and we're having that conversation, what is it that's going to re-energize me? Why have I lost my passion for something that I love to do? So many physicians are out there, and they're exhausted at their job. And right now, that was even before. There are entire susceptibility scales out there that have been monitoring this since 1981. So I'm in the process of validating data in what we call the core centric's burnout susceptibility scale. We've been doing our own research for quite some time now. And that data in a book, it's about half done, all that's coming out. So it came out very, very naturally from what I already do in my industry as a solution, another solution for executive support.
0: I love how that fits into our topic as well, to look at the situation of the coronavirus as something where you still need to take care of yourself even more than ever before. Uh, so I guess self-care, even if I, I'm not a fan of the word for some weird reason, I always associate it with going to spas and massage, and I don't like that. How can entrepreneurs take care of themselves in times like
1: these where they don't have control, basically? Right. Number one is mindset. Mindset is everything. Choosing to not look so much or get involved in those types of conversations that will bring you down in any way and choosing to lift up. If you are, for example, having a debate with someone and they're wanting to get into an argumentative state, this is a lower level resonant state. Bring them up or stop that conversation. Keep your mindset full of faith and not full of fear. I think staying in peace, learning to pivot, being more flexible in freedom and time. There are studies done physically on the amount of sugar we eat. We can decrease the amount of sugar because right now that is something that could potentially decrease your immune system. We wanna keep our immune systems as built up as possible. If you can't find something like emergency or airborne, if you know what those products are or hand sanitizer, take regular old vitamin C. If you start having cold symptoms, you can take up to 2000 milligrams a day. If you have asthma, aside from your normal medication, like we talked about in, in Miami, also have a rescue inhaler with something like albuterol, right? So these types of things just to have on hand. It's a great time if you are taking medications of any time, to call your doctor and get a refill, so you have it on hand in case you have to self-isolate for 30 days. Just be prepared, learning to know that if you can stay calm, through meditation, through prayer, through these other practices. Right now, like you said, self-care, it's not maybe the best time to go get a facial or a massage because you're going to be isolated with a person in a room for an hour or more that you don't know where they go or wait, you know, what they think. I just actually was at my salon last week. I asked the esthetician, what do you think? Do you think you're going to have to stop giving facials soon? And he just, you know, again, People are destroyed for lack of knowledge, but he's like, oh, I don't think anything. It's just a flu. I don't care. I don't need to use masks. I'm just going to keep giving facials. <laughs> I said, okay, but I'm going to postpone mine. <laughs> so I'll see you back on the other side of this. And the salon, of course, will let you do that. So yes, there, self-care doesn't have to always come from the outside in. We can do facials at home. We can have a nice mask at home or a bubble bath. And we can do those things that soothe our nerves if our nerves get out of control. But learning to just be happy is a huge, huge benefit to all of us. And it's a choice. I believe we choose peace. We choose the higher emotions and we choose emotional control.
0: That is a great finale to our discussion. The choice. You have a choice. We have a choice how much uh, we're consuming those information that are out there. Uh, We have a choice how we feel. So I think that's fantastic uh, to end with that, Anne. Is there anything else you want to add? We'll, of course, add everything to the show notes. But what is the best way for people to find you? And what
1: are your final words? Don't worry, be happy. And you can find me at anrbizu.com or rxcrcommunications.com or on any of my social media channels. I love to tweet. I believe that for my tribe, I have some podcasts coming out as well, so I can keep you posted on those. And um, I love to tweet. So just at nrvzu.com or on LinkedIn, I might be doing some lives coming up to keep people in the space of peace and you know give some facts, but keep people informed because this is not going to go away anytime soon. And the news is going to change so quickly. So keeping people grounded, stay in touch with me for that. If you tweet me, Facebook me, etc., and say I'm from Sigrin's tribe, I will definitely let you into mine. Thank you so much, Sigrin. And I want to thank you for leading by example as well because of what you do and the leadership you took in terms of your event. I hope to be there on the other side whenever you reschedule.
0: Yeah, thank you for that, Anne. And I'll see you in Iceland in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Go to the show notes at sigrun.com forward slash 368, where you can find all the turnaround resources mentioned in the intro here today, plus links to Anne Arviso. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your Insta story or Instagram post using my handle sigrun.com and the hashtag Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.